Over two decades in production. Star power before they were stars. Masked Mutilator, the movie, is about to hit the big screen with horror, gore, suspense, nonstop action, beautiful girls, beautiful girls, pro wrestlers, and more. This is the Masked Mutilator Podcast with your host, executive producer and co-screenwriter, Dale Schneck. Welcome to our podcast. I hope you'll join us frequently each and every week as we share insider information about a very special horror movie and tell you how you can become a part of this very exciting project. We are lucky to have my special uh, guest, Doug Yazinski, back for a return visit. Doug is the CEO of World Cage Fighting Championships. He's also a former pro wrestler. And he's one of the stars of Mass Mutilator. Now, in the movie, Doug plays a no-nonsense cook in a group home for juveniles. And throughout the movie, many of the rebellious teens are mysteriously disappearing. Whether his character has anything to do with that or not, you have to see the movie. So, Doug, welcome back. Thanks, Dale. How are you doing? I'm doing terrific. Okay. Could you tell us a little bit about a flashback scene in the movie where there's a wrestling match in which one of the wrestlers is killed? Now, first of all, where was that location? And how did you, I think you got that location for us. Right, right. Yeah, I think that location, if I'm not mistaken, was in a car dealership garage up in Palmerton, Pennsylvania. Uh, I knew they had a wrestling ring already set up in there, and obviously we needed a ring for the shoot. So we all went up there. I remember uh, briefly, we uh, called our uh, good friend Mike Mittman, who was a referee for the WWF, I believe it was at the time, and then turned into WWE. Uh, We needed a referee, so we had him come up. His son Steve uh, came up to the announcing for us. I think we had uh, another wrestler, a local wrestler named Jack Hill come in do the job uh you know he's the one that died in the ring and uh that's pretty much how that came about you know just calling people that we knew in the wrestling industry to get involved in the movie Mm -hmm. it was it added so much i think to the flashback because in the movie we can tell you the rumor is that a former pro wrestler did kill someone in the ring and then was banned from pro wrestling. So according to our script, which I co-wrote with Ed Plugardi, um, the concept was where could he get a job? Big, strong guy. So he gets a job as a house parent in a group home for rebellious juveniles or, or kids who can't be living with their parents because of some issue. And um, so that scene sort of is the rumored version of what the kids have heard in the home about the house parent. And for some of the more rebellious kids in the home, uh, they, they think he is a killer. And we're not ever sure whether that flashback was true or not. Right. Well, we're sure. It's just the people that are going to come see the movie are going to have to find out what's going on. Now, tell us more about, you mentioned Mike Midman. Right, right. And and, and tell people how, you know, he has been seen all over the world and around the nation and give them some clues because they'll probably say, oh, yeah, I've seen Mike Midman. Well, he was a referee, like I said, for uh, 
WWF back in the day. And I think, uh, not knowing a hundred percent of the story, it probably, they used to do TV tapings in Lehigh Valley and because he's from the area and was a pro wrestling referee, you know, and plus I wrestled a lot in the local area during my days. So I got to know him and, uh, it was just a natural fit. Yeah, I uh, recently was interviewed, and someone asked, an interviewer asked, well, where did this story generate? And I said it generated from the incident back in 1983 when Jimmy Superfly Snooker was at least interrogated by the Whitehall police in Pennsylvania about the death of his girlfriend. That story has now since gone national. So the interviewing interviewing person was saying, well, you know, what was the genesis? That was it. I thought, what if, as a writer, Ed and I thought, what if a wrestler were actually a murderer? And then what would happen to his career? What would kind of job would he get? Blah, blah, blah. So we went, we're not doing the Jimmy Snooker story at all. Right. But that was the genesis, putting in my mind and in Ed's mind, have we ever seen a movie where a pro wrestler was accused of being a murderer? Yeah, it's a, you know, like I said last show, uh, we hit two, you hit two genres with that, uh, which is phenomenal and which pretty much lacks and what makes this horror movie unique. Yeah, I think so. We didn't want to do another Friday the 13th where everybody goes to the same camp every year to be slaughtered. We wanted to do something very different. And I think combining the 20-year-old footage with the new stuff we're going to shoot to complete the movie, you'll have the retro look of the 80s horror uh, genre with some new stuff and with the editors we've got uh, I think they're going to do something truly uh, magical um, so Carl you, uh, well Carl I'm calling you, you by your character name you know what <laughs> I haven't been called Carl in 20 years oh Carl the cook yeah. such a good character um, if your character is coming back right um, Explain how that sort of makes the movie unique in a way. Well, it's, it's just not my character coming back. It's everybody that actually survived the mass killings to begin with. Uh, and how it makes it unique is we are bringing back the same characters that were originally in the movie 20 years ago. I don't know. Not just horror. I don't think there's any other movie out there that shot 20 years apart from each other using the same actors. And I mean, you know, I've seen movies where they do flashbacks or get somebody to play somebody younger version of them. But uh, I don't think anybody's ever brought all the actors back from the original cast. Yeah, I and, and that we don't need to use special effects makeup to make them look older because they are physically <laughs> actually older. Right. So I we should probably caution people too um, that this is going to be uh, a film for mature audiences. Uh, obviously, it's not rated yet, but when it is rated, it will probably be R because we do have extreme violence, we have adult language, and we have female nudity in uh, the film. So uh, uh, we would like people to know that so they're not misled. This is not uh, a film to take kids to who are under high school age, at least. Would you agree, Doug? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we hit the horror uh, movie hat trick with this, and uh, we did it well. You know, um, some are better than others. 
you know, and I think what's more important is we have a, a legitimate story behind the, the movie itself. You know, you see all these other slasher movies where, all right, let's go out and kill high school kids. Let's, you know, it's the same stuff, blah, blah, yep. uh, different budgets. But, you know, the writers, you include it, put some thought into making a story out of it that, you know, people will follow along with enjoying the blood, the language, the fighting and the women. I just want to give one quick uh, tip of the hat again to Ed Pulgardi, who now works in California, produces a lot of motion pictures. Ed and I co-wrote the screenplay, and uh, Ed has done uh, other horror movies like Laid to Rest, The Ghost Maker. He just did a uh, Lifetime movie called Dark Desire, which was the highest rated uh, feature in the uh, past year for Lifetime. So, um, you know, I think we're going to pull some extra elements out of the horror genre that have not been seen before. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and it's great. It shows that the people behind the scenes in this movie are have advanced their careers as long as the people in front of the cameras have advanced their careers. You know, not only do we have Glenn Hedrick, uh, we have James DeBella, who is in Detroit Rock City, among, you know... Eli Roth's Cabin Fever. Absolutely. I mean, he just done so many great movies himself. And then we have, you know, Brick Bronski, who was um, a trauma star, you know, did many feature films for trauma. So we have, a you know, that's another thing we have over other horror movies that are out there is we do have some star power. Yes. I do want to remind people that if you'd like to see your name in the credits uh, of this motion picture, if you'd like to receive autographed posters, uh, wrestling masks, tank tops, T-shirts with the artwork created by Paul Sutt, who did the special effects also for our movie, uh, you can come to the premiere at a theater in Allentown, go to the after party, uh, do a Skype uh, conversation. We have tons of uh, perks, so you need to go to Indiego.com and look for Mass Mutilator. Go to our website, MassMutilator.com. Go to our Facebook page, uh, Mass Mutilator, and find out all the exciting things that are happening. I want to thank Doug Yuzinski for his being a guest uh, for a second week in a row. Doug, thank you very much. And folks, tune in the next time for another star from Mass Mutilator. For more podcast episodes, to be a part of Masked Mutilator, if you have the guts. And for exclusive behind-the-scenes bonus material, go to MaskedMutilator.com. That's MaskedMutilator.com. Or else. This has been a Steve Mittman social media creation. Steve Mittman social media.com. Dot com. Dot com.